Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. attention to the word of the Lord to Numbers chapter 22 and then I'll be going to Hebrews chapter 2 but we'll begin with Numbers chapter 22 and I apologize in advance for the lengthy reading here this morning but let's start with verse 21 Numbers 22 and verse 21 and Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand the ass turned aside out of the way and went in the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn hither to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down upon under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee? that thou hast smitten me these three times. And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, and I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not, am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wanting to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou spitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee. Because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. I want to read one more verse of scripture found in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 2, 
Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. I want you to note that first phrase there. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. I want to use as a subject title here this morning the danger, the danger of disabling God's warning device. The danger of disabling God's warning device. Let's lift up our hands and voices to the Lord once again and let's pray for the help of the Lord and the remainder of this service this morning we certainly need the touch of God would you pray with me Jesus I look to you again prayerfully desiring your anointing and your touch upon this service I'm praying God that you would move and you would minister to this congregation I pray God that you would stir the souls of hearts that are here God there's people that are in need of you Help people that are in need of you to realize their need of you. I pray it in Jesus' name. I thank you for it in the name of the Lord. And once again, would we worship the Lord and give praise to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Seems like over the last several services I have preached and have felt the direction of the Lord in preaching to this congregation, and it seems like this subject in one variation or another has been one that has been reoccurring, and the Lord has stirred my heart. I don't know that I have ever felt uh, a more consistent burden on the same line for so many days or services in a row. A lot of times when we deliver a message, you kind of feel the burden of that lift, and you go on and, and you minister in another direction. But evidently, God is trying to get a hold of someone. God is trying to speak uh, to somebody's heart. I'm reminded of what uh, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Not someone else, but let him hear what the Spirit is saying. That means everybody that is able, everybody that is being spoken to by the Spirit, let them all heed, let them all hear what the Spirit is saying. Don't let any person count themselves out or excuse themselves in saying, well, that's surely not for me or it is not applicable to my situation. And uh, I've noted that God always, through His Word, speaks to the needs of a congregation. And He knows far ahead of time 
what we have need of. And so many times he prepares us through his word and uh, perhaps even warns us. And we've had quite a many few storms over the last little while. It seems, I, I think I read somewhere, 47 tornadoes just in uh, Oklahoma alone in the month of May. All of them were not destructive. All of them probably did not cause property damage or loss of life. But nevertheless, there was 47 tornadoes just last month in Oklahoma. And, uh, of course, many of those towns and cities and then uh, the national weather advisories and the services that are provided there, there's warnings that go out even here locally. Uh, matter of fact, within a half a block of where I stand, there is a warning siren for storms that would come through this area. If there was a tornado and there was enough time to send out a warning, or if they even felt as though the conditions were just right to merit uh, a tornado, then there would be a warning signal that would go out. And nowadays we have all kinds of devices that give warning signals and they are embedded in all kinds of machinery and things that we work with. They're installed in our cars. Uh, they're in our homes. There's smoke detectors in our homes. There's uh, seat belt indicators in our cars. And then uh, there's devices that can detect carbon monoxide in our homes. And admittedly, these warning devices can be at times an annoyance. At times we wish that we could short-circuit them or get rid of them. There are certain ones that probably come to mind as I mentioned that. Uh, when you get in your car this afternoon and uh, immediately when you start the engine, that little bell goes off or signal goes off indicating that you need to put your seat belt on. And if you were raised before that ever became a law, uh, you certainly realize the importance and the safety of it, but you know it's still one of those habits that we had to get used to. Because when I was a boy, I remember taking naps up in the back uh, windshield of the car and uh, lying down there and, and uh, people driving down the road never taking a thought. I mean, uh, people in the back seat moving around and doing whatever they please, and, and uh, that was just not even a thought. But suddenly people begin to realize the safety issue that is there. I'll never forget uh, some time ago uh, when I had a preacher here preaching for us and I went by to pick him up and he got in the car Immediately when he shut the door and I began to take off, uh, that chime over and over again came for him to put his seatbelt on. And of course, wanting to be polite and, and uh, not say anything, I rode for about a mile and that thing just got louder and more consistent and, and uh, just kept going and going. And, and uh, finally I said, look, sir, I said, that thing isn't going to give up. It's not going to quit. And I said, it's going to win or drive me crazy, one of the two. 
So if you don't mind, put on your seatbelt, and we can continue with our conversation. I could not believe that he couldn't hear the thing going off. But, uh, you know, there's a way that we can tune out sometimes warning signs. And that's one of those things that many people have found a way to short circuit. You've seen people put the seatbelt behind them. A lot of good that's going to do if you hit something head on. But uh, just to get rid of the annoyance of the warning device and to disable it. Uh, A friend of mine had an RV that he had just purchased. And in those RVs, many of them have a carbon monoxide indicator. And carbon monoxide is a an exhaust that comes off of fossil fuels, and and it's very dangerous and it's odorless, and so it cannot always be detected. And uh, so this man and his family was staying in this RV, and he said for some reason I was awakened. He felt it was the hand of the Lord, and I do also. And he said I was so weak, and uh, and I when I woke up. And he said, this gas that was in the trailer had just about overtaken me and my family. And I was able to realize what it was. And uh, sure enough, that carbon monoxide uh, indicator was malfunctioning. It had been disabled. And therefore, it was not able to send out the warning sign and let him know that there was danger. And how important it is. Uh, in our home, smoke detectors and these kinds of things. I know when the battery runs low and that starts chirping, that can be annoying in the middle of the night. But it does serve a purpose. There is a reason for it. Can I tell you that when God created man, one of the things that he put internally within man is the ability, a consciousness. I, I want to call it an internal warning device. When God created you and I, He placed it within all of our hearts, the ability to respond appropriately to God's conviction. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to tug upon our hearts, when He begins to move upon us, and begins to convict us. There is that, that warning system that God placed within us. It's just the way that we're wired. That we can hear the voice of God and respond to it. And God begins to move upon us. Second Peter chapter number 2 and verse 7 gives us an example of this. It's talking and referring to Lot when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was witnessing all of the unrighteousness, not just, not just people unknowingly involved in sin, but people that were really steeped in perversion. And uh, we know that the Scripture says, As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And we're seeing that playing out right here in the United States of America. The same sins, the same Uh, look towards uh, the things of God as far as an abhorrence for the things of God and a total disregard for the things of God. Uh, Many of this generation has reached over and they've disabled 
their consciousness. And they've disabled the warning device so that sin is no longer defined as sin anymore. Homosexuality is not only something that is tolerated, but it's something that is embraced by many today. And uh, people are confused about their identity and their gender. Who would have ever thought that we would have come to a place such as this? And we're just lulled into a place uh, of just accepting and just thinking that that's the norm. Well, I want to tell you it's not the norm. That's not the way God created things in the beginning. And that's not something that we should embrace as apostolics. Amen. And it's never going to be all right. And I'm here to stand flat-footed and tell everybody in this congregation that it's still a sin. I said it's still a sin. Praise God. Amen. That comes from God's Word. And so uh, we, we see that Lot is looking around and seeing these things. And it says in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 7, in seeing and hearing, not only was what he seeing sickening to him, not only what he was looking around and observing, was it something that, that smote his heart and caused him to recoil and be repulsed, but also what he was hearing, their conversation was sullied by the things of the world. They were speaking and talking in such filthy language and such such garbage was being spoken about that it caused him maybe to want to cover his ears. Has anybody noted with me the filth and the language that the world is using almost as normal today? Amen. Words that, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there's any good cuss words at all. Uh, or any slang words that we should use that substitute for curse words that are acceptable. But uh, used to, at least, there was some things that people would not say, uh, especially in mixed company. And you certainly didn't hear a, a woman saying those words. And, and nowadays, uh, it seems like it's just widely accepted for people to use the most foul language that they possibly can conjure up and use it like it's nothing. Politicians, I've been appalled recently by all, I'm not just talking about one of them, all of them using words and terminology and things that I mean this would scorch the ears of people and uh, it would seem like would be totally unacceptable even 15, 20 years ago. It was not something that was normal at all. And these public figures having children that are listening to them saying these words and it being something that nobody even flinches about. Maybe we can identify with what has been spoken of by uh, the Apostle Peter concerning Lot when he said seeing and hearing 
He said it vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. It vexed it every day. It was just getting worse and worse and worse. And he was being grieved. I want to tell you when I look around and I see this world and the conditions of this world, I'm so happy that I'm not of this world. I'm so happy this is not what I identify with or what I live for or what I try to to make my life and all of that, amen, around what happens in this world. But this world truly is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's, there's truth in that old song. I'm telling you, there's something that we need to grasp and get a hold of in that and realize that this world, amen, should not make us comfortable. It should not be a world, amen, that we're embracing of. But we should realize, hey, the trumpet's getting ready to sound. And I'm not living for this world or what this world represents. I'm living for seeing Jesus. I'm living for going to heaven someday. Amen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Day by day. And I'm going to tell you, it's not only disturbing when you consider what is going on in the world in general, but it's also concerning what is going on in so-called religious circles today. The open embracing of some of these things that I'm talking about. The open embracing of what the Bible identifies as sin. I want to tell you, when somebody that embraces homosexuality can get up and say they're a Christian. I know some folks don't like this, but that's all right because it's the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, that's not Christian behavior. That's not godly behavior. That's not in the Word of God. Amen. That's not ever going to be embraced or accepted by the Word of God. It's not right. And I stand here today to tell you that it's not right. Amen. Praise God. You're looking at one preacher that's never going to accept that. It's never going to embrace that. There'll never be a, a wedding between two people of the same gender in this church. Never. 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 Come on, how many times can I say never? How, how much can I put it in bold letters? Never. Never is it going to be accepted. And I'm not just preaching hot buttons here this morning. I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit. There's some, even in this church, that are being lulled. And you don't even realize that you've come into the sedation of sin. And you don't even realize you're numb to things that used to be repulsive to you. You better watch out. You better watch out lest you disable the warning signs and the warning devices. You can be seated. In second, or in Genesis, rather, uh, 26 and 35, uh, it goes a little further with what I'm talking about, and it talks about Isaac and Rebekah when they witnessed the depth of sin that their son Esau had engaged in and committed himself to in marrying heathen wives. It says this, which were grieved of mine. Grieved of mine, were a grief of mine. His behavior was a grief of mine. 
unto Isaac and to Rebekah. 1 Samuel chapter number 15 and verse 35, when Saul charged on in his backslidden condition in his own will and determining within himself to do evil and to disobey God. Twice in chapter 15 it says Samuel was grieved. It says such things, but Samuel was grieved over Saul and regretted that he had ever anointed him to be king over Israel. Nehemiah, when he looked out across the landscape and he saw the city that he beloved, the city that meant so much to him, might I say uh, this city is representative in a type of and parallels the church that you and I are part of, Jerusalem, the mother of us all, the New Testament says. Uh, the Bible says that when Nehemiah saw the conditions of the city and how the walls had been destroyed and everything was left in disarray, that he was grieved over that condition. He was vexed. And when he got back to where the king was, the king noted it. He was able to see it, the sullenness and the, and the soberness that Nehemiah had that he could not hide because he was grieved over what was happening in Jerusalem. Esther, uh, she was grieved. The Bible said the queen was grieved over what was taking place and the plans that Haman had for the Hebrews. And she learned of these things and she was very grieved about it. She was grieved when she looked out and saw her uncle Mordecai in the king's gate in sackcloth. And it disturbed her. She knew that this was a righteous man and there was reasons for him being disturbed as he was. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, he begins to explain that he wrote to them because he was grieved and because of him being grieved or vexed by what he had witnessed and saw and what was reported to him that was going on in that church. He said, I've caused you to grieve. I've caused you to be disturbed. And really, that was my intention. That was the reason why I wrote to you. I didn't write you to give you a congratulation letter. I didn't write to you to just tell you how good you're doing if you're not doing good. I love you, and because I loved you, I wrote to you. Only people that can really be grieved is people that love something. Only people that can really be disturbed with unrighteousness is people that love righteousness. The only folks that can really be convicted and, and uh, moved on in their spirit over wickedness is people that love goodness and people that love the things of God. I'm telling you, that's the truth of God's Word. Amen. Paul, writing to those Corinthians, said, I, I, I said those things, and I, I, I don't regret it. I'm not sorry that I caused you to be grieved. I, I'm not going to feel sorry for you because this right here is so valuable and so important that I get this across, that you realize the importance of what I'm saying and what I'm stating to you 
it's important that you understand it, that you get the message, uh, that you understand where I'm coming from. Because uh, if you're going to be saved, you've got to hear the voice of the Lord. You've got to return to that consciousness that God has placed within you. You've you got to be able to be convicted. You've got to be able to be stirred up. You've got to be willing uh, to let the Lord speak to your heart and soul. What is this mechanism that I'm talking about that God placed within man? that God placed within all of us the consciousness that God placed within mankind. Can I tell you that this is something that uh, God has placed there, but you and I have to guard it. You and I have to be good to it, as it were. You and I have to nurture it, else, uh, else it will begin to fade and go away. And no longer be there as it should be. Amen. It's, it's God's will and God's design from the very beginning that it be this way and that that be kept alive in our life. But there's things that if we don't nurture them, even in the physical and the natural, that if we don't nurture those things and we don't take care of those things, those things will begin to deteriorate in our lives. Good health is not something that you can continually abuse and expect to have it in your old age. It doesn't just stay there. Amen. You, you cannot expect to abuse yourself and, and, uh, and, 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 and do things to the temple of the Holy Ghost and expect in later times for your, your body to not respond in kind. But there's something to be said for us taking care of the things that God has given to us, the gifts that He's given to us, the blessings that He's given to us. We've got to nurture them. I'm going to tell you, if, you, if you've got a soft and tender heart towards God, you need to nurture that. You need to nurture that. Don't ever be ashamed of tears. Don't ever be ashamed of coming and being broken before God in an altar. Don't ever be ashamed of coming down and re repenting and, and getting things right with the Lord. Don't ever be ashamed of being tenderhearted. Amen. I've seen people that said, you know, I wish I, I wish I wasn't a crier. I wish I wasn't somebody that was tenderhearted. I wish I wasn't so moved by those kinds of things. I wish I didn't have so much of that. I'm going to tell you, you should never, you should never pray. Or, or think that that is not important uh, or try to turn that off or disable that. God gave you that. Uh, amen. Because He wants you to respond uh, when He speaks. Uh, he wants you to feel wrong when things are wrong. Uh, he wants you to be able to be warned when things uh, are unsafe for you. Not only physically, but also spiritually. When you get in certain situations, uh, you need to be able to realize, hey, this isn't right. Uh, amen. This is not good for me. This is not what I need to be doing. This is not the direction that I need to be going. This is not how I need to be talking. Or this is not what I need to be listening to. Amen. 
you can trample over that if you're not careful. You, you could turn that off and disable that if you're not careful. You could keep on in your headstrong ways and it won't be long until you won't feel that conviction that you used to feel. And suddenly the preacher becomes an enemy to you. And the Spirit of God is something that is uncomfortable to you. And you cannot identify with it. I'm going to tell you, if preaching angers you, you've turned it off. Amen. If preaching does not something that you see and value as something that's going to save my soul from the pits of hell, you turned it off. And you need to do whatever you can to get it switch back on here this morning and realize I need God to trouble me I need God to stir me up I need God to get a hold of my heart and soul praise the Lord praise the Lord that's that's what I've been trying over the last several weeks uh, to preach and to teach to these new converts and newcomers amen to the church is that you need to be able to develop this part of your relationship with God because it's so very vital. And then when the preacher and uh, the man of God begins to preach and teach about things, it will not, it will not be something that you hold at arm's length. It, it will not be something that you 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 disregard it won't be something that you'll you'll see well I, I don't know if I want to go that far but if you got that if you got that thing turned on in you you your 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 bible it indicates that that your your spirit is going to bear witness with that spirit amen what you are is going to bear witness with that i'm going to read it to you in just a moment when god begins to move and the spirit of god begins to deal with you suddenly you say you know what amen I've been feeling, I've been feeling like this is wrong. I've been feeling like I need to correct this. I've been feeling like I need to do better in this area. I've been feeling convicted about these things. I can no longer watch what I used to watch. And I can no longer listen to the same music that I used to listen to. And I I can't wear the same clothes that I used to wear. And I, I can't do the same things and run with the same crowd. And I can't be involved in those things because I just feel like the Holy Ghost is not pleased with it. God is not getting blessed. He is not. It's not going to bring a blessing to me, and God's not being glorified by it. I got to change my behavior in these areas. Man, you know what? I I don't have problems with new converts most of the time. It's not the new converts that's turned that off. It's some of those folks who's been around for a long time who's learned how to turn it off. Learn how to survive and get by and basically live with that warning device. I'm going to tell you, it's a danger for you to try to live without the warning device on. Amen. Because suddenly you don't know what's right from wrong. Because you've turned it off. It can be disabled. 1 Timothy 4 and 2 says, speak. Speaking about the conscious, it tells us that it speaks to us. And and it can be seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? That means that when the Spirit of God begins to deal with us, it begins to move on us. 
When something's been seared with a hot iron, it means it literally has been cauterized. And the nerves and the sensitivity that used to be there has literally been burned away and overridden. And suddenly there's scar or callus that appears over time. And what used to be sensitive and used to be just able to be just brushed up against and felt, suddenly it takes a lot more pressure and it takes a whole lot more uh, to be able to, to, to get through to those nerves because they've been seared. The Bible talks about our conscience and us being careful not to allow it to be seared. And us being able to be stirred up in our spirit. Amen. And our conscience bears witness to it, the Bible says. Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter number 2, and verse number 12. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law. In other words, they have not even heard preaching. They haven't read the scripture. But it's just in them from creation. The Bible says, does not nature itself teach you? There's a consciousness within you that this isn't right. Amen. Do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. That's speaking to us about the Holy Ghost. Their consciousness also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Does, does your consciousness, does it bring a sense of conviction? Does it point its finger? And does it disturb you in the direction that you're going sometimes? That's, that's conviction. That's the Spirit of God. And that's something that we have to be careful to adhere to and to not disable and not to turn off. I'm reminded of the man in the Bible that was blessed and uh, the Bible says that he said, man, I've got so much goods. I've filled up all my barns. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build bigger barns. And he didn't have time for God anymore. And so uh, the, the Bible tells us that, that his soul got to talking to him and, and got to disturb. What was that? That's what I'm talking about. That was that conviction within, that, that consciousness within that's speaking to him saying, come on now. Don't you know that it's church time and you need to be in the house of God? Don't you realize uh, that, that you're straying? Don't, don't you understand that you're growing cold and indifferent towards the things of God? Don't you realize that some of the conversation that you've been engaged in lately, is, it's really not appropriate? Don't you realize some of the thoughts that you've been pondering on, it's really not right? 
Don't, don't you know? And, and the Bible says he got to talking back to his soul. And he said, soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, be merry. We have much goods laid up for many years. Hey, everything's all right. And the soul, amen, was crying out within that man, give me a chance. I'm a prisoner to you and your choices and your decisions. Give me an opportunity. Give me a chance to feel the Spirit of God. Give me an opportunity to get in the presence of the Lord. Give me a chance to worship. Give me, I, I can't go there unless you take me there. I can't go into the presence of the Lord unless you allow me to go. And, and suddenly, yeah, as he is dismissive and said, Oh, so take thine ease. The Bible says that God spoke to him and said, Thy fool, this night thy soul has been required of thee. And then, what, what about all these goods that you've laid up? It's not going to matter now. It's not a big deal now. In lieu of eternity, it's not anything that you should be preoccupied with because it doesn't matter. There's only one thing that really mattered, and that was your soul. And your soul was trying to speak to you and trying to get a hold of you. God's trying to talk to somebody. Amen. I don't want to let my conscience be seared. And in contrast, the Apostle Paul teaches about a good conscience. He says, neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which minister questions. Rather the godly edifying, rather than godly edifying which is in faith so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and unfeigned faith. If I can do those three things, if I can keep my heart pure and my conscience alive and my faith pure before God and keep my faith in Him, Amen. No matter how low or how high I get, I just keep my faith and trust in God. No matter how, how I may be disappointed or how blessed I may be if I can just keep my faith in God. You see, sometimes when people get on the mountain, they start putting faith in their flesh. When they get blessed, they start putting faith in their flesh. Oh, come on. Don't be so foolish. Realize that it's God that brought me to this place. It's God that raised me up to this pinnacle. Oh, let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's give praise to Him right now. Come on, all across this congregation. You better let your soul speak to you. Better let conviction get a hold of you. This prophet we read about in Numbers. Scripture says that the king of Moab, Balak, sent princes down to him to offer him a goodly sum of money if he would come and he would curse the people of God. It's not that he really wanted to curse the people of God, but he was so he was so caught up with the idea of wealth and money. And uh, having, having uh, comforts in life and, 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 you know, he thought, well, maybe I can go down and it isn't going to matter much anyway what I say. 
as long as I can pacify them that I can get a paycheck. And so he went down to do so. He followed those princes down to where Balak was. Balak was going to explain what he desired and what he wanted. And the scripture says, as he was going, the Lord sent an angel to stand in his path. And while they were traveling, nobody saw the angel but this donkey. And the donkey tried to stop, tried to turn a different way. And the scripture says that Balaam grew angry with his beast of burden and began to strike it. And then on down the path, a little further, that same angel standing in the way in a narrow place, the Bible. You know, sometimes God's got to put us in a narrow place to get our attention. And, 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 and the donkey sees the angel with his sword drawn. And he turns and there's a wall that is on either side. And he turns and he crushes the leg of Balaam between the donkey and the wall. And wounds him. And he's so angry now that he's smiting this beast. And then a third time he does the same until God opens the mouth. You talk about somebody that's having a hard time getting the message. Somebody that just completely has disabled every warning device. He can't see the angel, so God has to use an animal to see the angel. Has to use probably what we would consider one of the strangest things that you can read about. And there's a lot of things that are mystical and different to us, but this is one of those strange occurrences and opens the mouth of the donkey and speaks to him and said, hey, I've been faithful to you. I'm just trying, have I not taken you everywhere you've ever wanted to go? But if you could see what I can see, then you would understand why I'm reacting and responding. And then suddenly God takes the scales off of Balaam's eyes and he's no longer blinded to the fact that there is an angel Standing there before him. And suddenly he realizes, I I've got to change direction here. I've got to change my mind about things here. God begins to deal with him. I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody in this place that have ever had the Spirit of God deal with you that Maybe that's not the best decision, and that's not the best choice, and that's not the best way. And you felt the tightening of the reins, and you felt God begin to, to stir your heart and, and, and trying to deal with you and to help you to realize that you don't want to go in that direction. That's not going to lead to a good ending. That, that's, not, that's not what you want to be involved in. Amen. I want to preach to somebody. It's so important that we be able to see for ourselves where we're at and what, what we're involved in here. And, and by unplugging sometimes when we come to the church and unplugging when it comes to services when the Spirit of God is moving and, and having our mind a thousand miles away instead of where it needs to be and not really engaged in what's going on. I'm telling you, it's 
it's it's so imperative that we get plugged into the things of the Spirit. It's so imperative uh, that we get tuned in to what God is trying to say and what God is trying to speak to us uh, and not turn that off lest, uh, lest we be like the Apostle Paul said, one of those uh, whose conscience is seared uh, with a hot iron. Uh, amen. We colorize it. We, we burn it out. Uh, we turn it off. Uh, we disable the warning device. God shake us up this morning. Shake us up this morning. Feel the Holy Ghost trying to talk to somebody's heart. Would you lift up your voice to him right now? Come on, let's let's lift up our voice to him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Musicians, come. I'd like for you to stand with me right now. God tries to keep us doing something damaging to ourselves spiritually. I'm not here just to evoke emotions. You know, those of you that listen to me week after week know that I enjoy more than anything preaching faith and blessings of God moving of the Holy Ghost but I couldn't get away from it it's been on me for several weeks because if we're not careful we can fool ourselves into thinking we're all right I've dealt with people that didn't have confidence that they were saved. And I have tried to, through the Scripture, help of the Lord, try to help them to understand you've got to have faith. You've got to have confidence in God's Word. And if you've been obedient to God's Word, you must understand that you're saved. But I tell you what, in recent years, I don't deal with that so much as I deal with overconfident folks. People that just kind of with a shrug of a shoulder think, I'm okay. I'm all right. Things are good with me. Don't worry about me, preacher. When I know better. Because I know what God is stirring my heart about. I know what God is speaking to me about. I know what some are engaged in and what you're involved in and you you know it can't be right. You know it's contrary to the Word of God. You know it's against everything you've been taught. Some way, somehow, you've been able to trample right on through. You've been able 
been okay with just crossing lines, and breaking barriers, bulldozing your way through it. Doesn't bother you. I'll tell you one of the areas, it ought to bother you. It ought to bother you, and there's something wrong if it doesn't convict you. When you heavily get involved in talking, talking down about people that are endeavoring to do right, that are trying to live for God. I didn't say that for an amen, but it's the truth. It's the truth. The deal is this morning, are you going to see yourself in what I'm preaching? You're going to see yourself in it. I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost. You need to be able to see yourself in the message. That was the problem with Saul. He never could see himself in anything Samuel said. He always dismissed it. I know, I know, I know, I know. I got it. No, you hadn't got it, Saul. You're walking the wrong way. Trying to get a hold of you, Saul. You know, the difference between David and Saul was one thing. I've heard people say, well, is their love for worship, David's love for worship, David's love for things of God, and all of those things have their place. But I want to tell you the one core thing that David had was the ability to be preached to, the ability to admit. That's me. That's me. That's right. Because when Nathan came and confronted him, he grabbed a hold of his heart and said, It's me that you're talking about. He said, I see myself in this. I realize that I can't. I have sinned, and I have disobeyed God. And whatever it takes, i got to get things straightened out. Created me a clean heart and a right spirit, oh God. Baseball Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley. Cy Young winner. Several-time All-Star. From a very young man developed an alcohol problem. And when he would he was really a nice guy, but when he'd get under the influence of alcohol, he was just a different person. He didn't realize it. And family was trying to intervene, trying to do whatever they could to get him straightened up, and it was just getting worse. He was belligerent, he was mean, he was hard hearted condescending so finally one night his family set up a recorder when he came in and they recorded the berating the cursing the vileness how he treated his family they just recorded it all 
went on to bed that night and he got up the next morning and he came down the stairs and he was in that jovial mood like nothing happened the night before like he'd done so many times before. Big smile on his face and somebody just reached over and hit the player on the recorder. Very loudly it began to play his voice. The berating, the cursing. He said, oh, turn that off, turn that. I said, no, we're not going to turn it off. So this is what you're making us live through. He said, oh, come on, please, please, please. Turn it off. No, no, we want you to hear it. We want you to face it. Finally, weeping, he said, please, turn that off. That's not me. I said, that is you. He said it was at that moment that he realized, I have got to do something to change. I got to turn around. I got to be a different person. And he said that was when my recovery began. Can I tell you that when you see yourself and admit to yourself, hey, I'm going to quit lying to myself that everything's okay when it isn't. I'm going to quit lying to myself that, that I'm, 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 there's not anything going on here when there is. I'm going to quit lying to myself that everything's good and justifying. Realize God's trying to get my attention. Come on, I beg you this morning, don't turn the warning device off. Don't disable it. But as conviction goes forth in this room right now, and as us that are here begin to lift up our voices and begin to pray, come on, I need your help if you know how to pray, if you know how to touch God, if you know how to seek the face of the Lord. Hallelujah. God has been there in those private moments. God has been there in those times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is wondering, are you going to admit, I need some help this morning. I, I, I need to turn some things around in my life. I can't keep on acting as though everything's okay. I can't, I can't keep playing the game. I, I can't keep on putting on the plastered on smile and acting as though everything's fine when I know down deep in my heart it's not.